I'm really glad you've chosen to worship with us uh, this week here at ECCC. See, did I say enough C's? Too many C's? Does anybody else do that or is it just me? We got, we got to think of something else there. Uh, I don't know. E-C-C-C-O play come. My mind's just all over the place this morning. Uh, yeah, I got to focus. Uh, I was never diagnosed, but uh, maybe there's some medication that could help me. I'm not real sure. Uh, I am thrilled that you're here. Were you there? When they crucified my Lord, that that song every time that one gets me in the feels every time. Is anybody with me on that? And uh, just to place yourself there at the cross is just a powerful, powerful thing. Um, today is Palm Sunday, as it's been referenced already, and as we know, uh, this is the day that Jesus came into Jerusalem, knowing that a few short days later he was going to lay down his life for us. This is how the Gospel of John records it in chapter 12. He says, The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. This reminds me of a story about a little boy who was sick one Sunday morning and he had to stay home from church and it was Palm Sunday and his father returned home from church and he was carrying a palm branch in his hand when he walked through the door of the church and the little boy was curious, he said, Dad, what do you got there? And he said, oh, it's a palm branch. They gave him out today uh, because it's Palm Sunday and he says, well, what does that mean? And he said, well, you see, when Jesus came to town, everyone waved palm branches to honor him and so we got palm branches at church today and the little boy replied, by saying, well, wouldn't you know it, the one day that I miss church, Jesus shows up. <laughs> well, each week, according to the Bible, God does show up here. The Bible says where two or more are gathered in my name, I'm in your midst. And so God is here in our midst here today. And every time we come together in his name and worship him, he is here in the form of his Holy Spirit. He shows up. And that was all made possible because of what happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus chose to, rode in, to ride into Jerusalem on that donkey, knowing that at the end of the week he was going to lay down his life for us. This is the third message in our series on the life of Christ. And so far we've talked about the fact that Jesus lived and we discussed not only the events of his life, but rather some things that we can take with us from his life that he modeled for us that we can implement into our our own lives to help us to be more like him, to attract people to him. And so uh, we took that approach last week as we looked at how Jesus taught. And so we're going to move along in this progression. We're going to take a look at the, the death of Jesus today and what that did for us. And so we, we talked a couple of weeks about how he lived last week, about how he taught this week, about how he died and why he died and what that means to us today. Uh, author Calvin Miller said, one cannot even begin to understand the life of Christ without understanding his death. And a lot of times, and I know this is something that a lot of times people want to forget about, even entire movements of churches have pushed this out of 
just their worship every day. They don't want crosses hanging. They don't want to do things that might offend someone. They don't want to talk about the gruesome details of the crucifixion. But without understanding his death, we can't even hope to understand his life. And we've all heard it before. We've heard it growing up. Jesus died for you. God so loved his one and only son. We sang it. We've read it. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He died for us. But what I want to do today is I want to investigate that a little bit further. My hope is that you're going to gain a better appreciation of exactly what Jesus did for you. What took place on Calvary and what that means to us all these years later. And I want us to look at four truths today surrounding Jesus' death that I think are crucial for us to grasp if we want to understand just exactly what it was he did for us. Because it's easy for us to just kind of sit back and say, yeah, I know Jesus died for us, um, but we go on with our day-to-day lives. It, it, it becomes kind of, um, I think, routine at times for us as Christians. And a lot of times we never give a lot of thought to the fact that Jesus died and he rose and the real reasons behind Easter. I mean, I think we're pretty good about doing that this time of year. But what about every day of our lives? You know, it seems to me that that just like Dan was mentioning in his communion meditation, how we have commercialized Easter so much, or Christmas so much, we're certainly commercializing Easter as well. And there's a lot of people who seem more concerned about the bunny than they do about Jesus, you know. And I've got to admit that um, uh, I've got a thing for Cadbury mini eggs. Has anybody ever uh, experienced Cadbury mini eggs before? Okay. All right. Okay. How about Reese eggs? Anybody into Reese eggs? Okay. So you look for. All right. All right. Now I'm 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 reaching my people here again today. This is good. All right. And and so a lot of people are more into those things and jelly and Kendall likes peeps. I don't understand that um, at all. I, I, you know what? I think I'm going to buy you some purple peeps. Would you eat purple peeps? <laughs> purple peep eater. That, that but <laughs> that's it. that's good stuff right there. Uh, But anyway, more people are into that kind of stuff and getting gifts for Easter. I don't understand Easter gifts all that much, even though I've done it before and I'm going to do it again this year. But I don't understand Easter gifts all that much, but we do it. We're more concerned about that than we are the fact that God gave his son to die for us and that he came back to life. I got to be honest with you. I forget about that sometimes as I'm going through every day of my life and, and, and I get wrapped up in some of the things that really don't matter all that much. I'm making plans for this and I'm making plans for that and I forget the fact that Jesus, every single day, I, I forget that, that he died for me. That wasn't just a, a one-time thing that, that uh, I, I allowed to, to, to change my life. Just 2,000 uh, years ago, he gave his life. And then some 40-some years ago, I, I allowed that to, to change my life. But, but that's an everyday thing. It's a take up your cross daily and follow him kind of thing. And my intention for the message today is, is this. There are sometimes, there, it's, it's easy for us to overlook and underappreciate what Jesus did for us. And I don't know if I'm going to share anything new with you today. Most of you have already heard this. But I believe that the most important things in life are worth repeating. I think they sometimes we, we just need to be reminded. I think that's why I appreciate, appreciated the song, Were You There? 
when they crucified my Lord. Because I think it's important for us to focus in on what he did for us. And so I hope that if, if uh, you know, after you've heard this message, you'll be maybe shaken out of the routine of, of the understandings of Jesus' death. And it affects every single day of your life. Not just your worship here, but every single day of your life. And you walk away from here today, maybe refreshed in your spirit, understanding what exactly Jesus did for you. So here's the deal. First truth I want to look at today is this. Jesus died sacrificially. What I mean by this is that his death satisfied the requirements of God's law. God's law required that blood be a payment for sin, right? And Jesus' death satisfied that as a sacrifice once and for all. Again, there's a big fancy church word that we throw around called propitiation. And and that basically is a word that means um, it satisfied God's wrath. His payment for sin was was enough. That, That paid the requirement for us once and for all. And so we don't have to continue to go on uh, with this uh, sacrificial uh, practice of bulls and goats and lambs like they used to do in the Old Testament. What Jesus did for us at Calvary was was a a one-time thing. Look at this passage from 1 John with me. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And send his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You might want to circle that phrase if you're taking notes. You might want to write that down. An atoning sacrifice. The Bible says that God hates sin. He's angry about it. He's angry at it. And there needs to be some kind of payment made for that. He needs to pour out his anger because of sin. And that phrase, atoning sacrifice, means that not only did Jesus pay the legal penalty for our sins, it also means that he took care of God's anger. When God looks at you, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your forgiver, God is no longer angry at your sin. He sees the blood of his son. And that anger is taken care of. So many people see God as like, we've called him this cosmic genie where we just kind of, you know, put in our prayer requests and, and, and then he gives us what we want. Some people refer to him as a cosmic meanie too, just waiting to strike him down with a bolt of lightning the first time they mess up. That's not the way God is. That's not his love. It's not consistent with who Jesus was and who he said his father was. The bottom line is this. God loves you so much that he preferred to pour out his anger on his own son instead of you. Think about that for just a moment. God chose to pour out his anger on his own son instead of you. Now, I remember back when I coached Uh, my son, Nick, back in the day, that there were many times that as his coach, I'm sure he felt the wrath of dad more than the other players did. And sometimes it was unfair. And sometimes the car ride home was not all that pleasant as we continued to discuss the game. Has anybody ever been there? Has anybody ever had their dad coach them? Araya, is that a big amen for you? Okay, very good. I, I just had a feeling... I had a feeling she was going to raise her hand when I said that, right? (laughs) 
Now, I was in Nick's grill sometimes more than I needed to be, but it was kind of an example that I'm not going to favor him over the others. And so, you know, to get my point across, sometimes I had to come down on him, uh, it, whether it was fair or, or not. And sometimes he took the brunt of my displeasure. Now, in a similar way, but nothing on the scale of what I mentioned, a much greater scale. That's what God did for us through his son on the cross. He chose to pour out his anger and his wrath on his perfect son who never did anything wrong. And at the end of the message, Sam will tell you how you can avoid that anger. Second truth we need to grasp about Jesus and his death is that Jesus died physically. He died sacrificially and he died physically. Look at a couple passages of scripture with me, if you will. John 19, 33. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. And that fulfilled a prophecy. See, what used to happen, and, and some of you already know this, but crucifixion, basically what would happen is the, the person who was nailed to the cross, who was hung on the cross, would die from suffocation, really. And, and, and they would nail them to the cross, and their legs uh, would, would be nailed as, as well. And then when they would start to run out of breath, they would push up to relieve the pressure on their lungs so that they could breathe some more. And if it was just taking too long and they wanted to hurry up and get the death over with, they would break the legs of the one hanging on the cross so that they could not push up anymore and continue to breathe. And the Bible said that was not going to happen to Jesus. It was predicted hundreds of years before that his bones would not be broken. And so when they came to Jesus, they found out that he was already dead. And then Mark 15, 44, summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. And when he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. Now, those aren't exactly the, the passages of Scripture that we choose to memorize. But I think it's very worth pointing out. Why is this such a big deal? Why is it a big deal that Jesus actually died? Why was it a big deal that this is recorded, that when they came to the body of Jesus, he was actually dead? Because there's a number of people who don't believe that Jesus actually died. It's a little thing called the swoon theory. And basically it says that Jesus didn't really die. He just passed out. And because of that, his resurrection wasn't really a resurrection. It was more of a resuscitation. One lady wrote into a question and answer form one time and said, Dear sirs, our preacher said on Easter that Jesus just swooned on the cross and that the disciples nursed him back to health. What do you think? Sincerely, bewildered. They wrote back and said, Dear bewildered, how about you beat your preacher with a cat of nine tails with 39 heavy strokes, nail him to a cross, hang him in the sun for six hours, run a Run a spear through his side, put him in an airless tomb for 36 hours, and see what happens to him. People didn't survive this. This was not something that could have possibly happened. You, you need to understand that Jesus literally died. And there could be some people who show up on your doorstep someday, and they might knock on your door, and they might try to convince you that he didn't die. Those are Jehovah's Witnesses, by the way. And it's not my practice to point out other 
religions in a bad way, but don't believe for a moment what they say to you pretty much about anything. I'm just saying, okay? Anybody that denies the deity of Jesus Christ is not a church, it's a cult. Okay? And uh, you need to understand that Jesus died. The Romans, you know, the Romans were professional executioners. Do you realize that? They were trained in this. They knew how to kill. They knew dead when they saw it. And they knew that if they didn't carry out this order to kill someone, then they could possibly be killed. And so they, they knew death, and they were going to carry out the death sentence They were going to make sure that Jesus was dead. He was not going to slip through the cracks. He went all the way. And he willingly did that. He went all the way because that was necessary. It was the necessary payment for our sins. Nothing less than the death of the pure Son of God was going to do it. And the third truth that we need to grasp is this. He died purposely. He died sacrificially. He died physically. He died purposely. Jesus' death was not an accident. It wasn't a case where Jesus just showed up at the wrong place at the wrong time. It was on purpose. Even at the beginning of human history. Even as early as the Garden of Eden, the Father said that a Redeemer would come and pay for the price of the sin of Adam and Eve And everyone who descended from them. And so his death had a purpose. And it outlined beautifully. uh, It's outlined beautifully in in these couple of verses that I want to share with you. And I want you to read these out loud with me. Because I think, I don't know, sometimes if they're read to you, it's like, okay, yeah. Or even you read them yourself in your mind, yeah. But when you read them out loud yourself, and we're all reading them together, I think there's power in that. And I want you to do that with me. 1 Peter 3.18, read it with me. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. Romans 5.8 But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The bottom line purpose for Jesus dying was so that you and I could come to God. There was no other way that it was going to be done. We can't get there on our own. There's not enough good things that we can do. We cannot become holy enough on our own. There's one name under heaven whereby we must be saved. Whereby we can have forgiveness of sins and have a home in heaven. His death was on purpose. Again, he wasn't just in the wrong place at the wrong time. He wasn't just caught up in some scheme that just kind of got out of control. And because of his sacrifice. You and I have a way to heaven if we'll just accept it, if we'll just take it. Now there's a fourth truth that I want you to understand this morning. That I think um, we, we need to know, we, we need to understand. He died willingly. He was willing to do this. In the, the movie, The Passion of the Christ, when it was released, there was a lot of concern that uh, the Jews were going to take a hit for this movie because of 
uh, Mel Gibson, the way that he made the movie, was going to paint the Jews in a bad light because it, it was going to signify to people that the Jews killed Jesus. And for centuries, even people today, people blamed the Jews, especially the Jewish leaders, for killing Jesus. Other people have blamed the Romans. After all, no one could really be executed. They couldn't be sentenced to death without the Romans approving it. And so they had to pass the sentence down. And so a lot of people have blamed the Romans. There's also the thought that we killed him. It was our sins that put him on the cross. And so ultimately, we are just as guilty of killing Jesus as the Jews and the Romans. And there's an element of truth in that. Because if we hadn't sinned, there wouldn't be any reason for Jesus to go to the cross. But look at this passage from John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Again, if you're taking notes, you might want to circle that, underline it, highlight, whatever you got to do to remember it. No one takes it from me. Jesus could have prevented it. He could have said, Father, no, it's just too painful. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. He could have called, as the old song says, 10,000 angels, and they would have been there immediately and put an end to the whole thing. But he allowed it to be done. He allowed it to be done through the Jewish leaders, by the Romans, and because of our sins. He laid down his life because of his love for us. And because he knew his father would be glorified because he was willing to do that. The Bible tells us, as I said, Jesus could have stopped the whole process. Jesus could have chosen to not go into Jerusalem in the first place on that first Palm Sunday. He could have avoided the whole thing. He could have just run away and gone off to himself and said, you know what, I'm just not, I'm not going to do this. He could have avoided arrest. He could have avoided the humiliation. He could have avoided the scourging. He could have avoided the cross completely, but he didn't because he would rather die than see the plans of the Father put aside. And that plan was for you and I to have the opportunity to spend eternity in heaven with him. Can you imagine Jesus saying, no, I don't want to do it. Can you imagine him saying, no, nah, I don't want to get crucified. I'm just going to stay here at the Father's right hand. And I'm going to enjoy the praise of heaven. Jesus even prayed, God, if there is a different way, then I'll take it. But I, what I want more than anything else is I want to do your will, Father. That's willing obedience. For the glory of God the Father and for our salvation. That's why Jesus died. And that's pretty incredible when you stop and think about it. And we get all worked up because the Bible says some tough things sometimes, doesn't it? Let's say some really tough things that we really don't like all that much. Can I get an amen to that? There's times, I mentioned this last week, that, that uh, man, I just wish the Bible hadn't said what it said. And we get worked up over some hard things in Scripture. Things like tithing and giving an offering. Really? But, but that's my money. God, I earned, I earned that. You know? 
Or we look at some of the sexual sins that are brought up in the Bible and say, no, God just wants me to be happy. That's hard for me not to give in to, to this because God just wants, you know, God wants me to be happy. No. Forgive the person who has wronged you, but God, you don't understand what they said to me. You don't understand what they did to me. Here's, here's the deal. God is not as concerned about our happiness as he is our holiness. He wants us to have the best life possible, but he knows the best life that we can possibly have is for us to be holy. And so he says, be holy because I am holy and follow my commandments. And here's the deal. We couldn't live up to that standard of expectation. And so Jesus said, Father, I'll go. And I'll lay down my life. And I will allow my holiness to be placed upon them because their sins are going to be placed on me. And when we see what Jesus did for us on the cross, how on earth, when it comes to our obedience to some of these tough things that we say we can't do, how can we look at God and seriously say, well, that's just too hard? Knowing what He did for us. Jesus died for you and the least we can do is follow his commands for our life he died sacrificially he died physically he died purposely he died willingly that first truth that we talked about he died sacrificially in other words he paid the price for your sins he bought you you're one of his he paid the price you couldn't afford. Jesus' death is immeasurably significant. Not just on a global scale, because I think sometimes we look at the whole God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that all this whole, the whole world has the opportunity, but it's personal. He, as the old saying goes, if you had been the only person, Jesus still would have come and died for you. He died so that you as an individual could be saved from paying the penalty yourself. Because the time's going to come when you stand before God. You're going to see Him face to face. And I don't know exactly what's going to happen at that point. I, I really don't know. But here's one possibility. Here's what I think might happen. You're standing before God the Father and Satan the enemy will be there also and he's going to say uh, something maybe like this. And um, look, uh, look, look, Caleb, I almost called you Logan again. C can you come up here a minute? I didn't ask him before the service. Uh, I think I call him Logan because he looks like the X-Men dude with the beard. Logan dude. Not that I watch that, but I've heard about it. So, so here's what I think might possibly happen, you know. Um, Satan's going to say, like, like, all right, God, here, here's this guy, and he's got all this sin against him. What are you going to do with him? You know, and, and here's all this sin on him. And here's what I think might possibly happen. I think Jesus is going to stand between God and Satan, and he's going to look and he's going to say, no, this one belongs to me. He's, he's one of ours. And God's going to say, that's all right. Come on in. You can go sit down now. Good job. He does everything right. 
I bought him with my blood. And that's all, that's all I need to hear. When Jesus says, I bought him with my blood, the father's going to say, that's all I need to hear. Come on in, my child. And again, I don't know if it's going to happen exactly like that, but I think it's going to be something similar to that. And the blood of Jesus is what makes it possible for our sins to be forgiven and the father to even look at us. When I heard that over 40 years ago, I said to myself, I want, I want that. I want Jesus to say that about me. That I bought him with my blood. And I acted upon that by placing my faith and my trust in him. And I confessed Jesus before the church. And I was baptized into him in Egloss Lake just outside of Brazil, Indiana, Easter Sunday, 1981. And Jesus' payment for my sins was applied to my account. And as the old song of the church says, the old account was settled. He paid the price for me. And He's paid the price for you if you've accepted this incredibly gracious offer. He promises that not only will your sins be forgiven, but you will become a new person. You will become a child of God. So the question for you is this. Are you His? Do you have the confidence that someday when you stand before God, Jesus is going to say, she's mine. He's mine. The Bible says if you confess Jesus and you're baptized into Him, You'll be telling the Father that you are accepting payment for sin. You can walk out of here today knowing that you're a new person, that your sins are forgiven, and that you have a home in heaven, and that Jesus is going to claim you on that day. We're going to offer a song of decision. You might be sitting out there thinking, well, you don't understand. You don't understand what I've done. If you really knew me, you wouldn't be saying that because you have no idea of the bad things that I've done. You're right, I don't know the bad things that you've done, but God does. And He's forgiven serial killers. Rapists. pedophiles pretty sure he can forgive you and here's the beauty of it he wants to he wants to forgive you he does not want you to continue on the path that you're on he wants to see you in heaven and so we're going to give you the chance today to make your life new I'm going to ask you to stand with me we're going to sing a song and at the end of this song, or during this song, actually, if you've got a decision you want to make, we encourage you to come. Maybe you want to make a decision to follow Jesus. First time decision. But we're ready to baptize you here right now. The water's warm, theoretically. <laughs> it's full. It's ready for you to make that decision. Um, maybe you're watching online. 
And uh, if you've got questions and you want, you want to talk to somebody, you can text the word READY to our church connection number. We'll reach out to you. We'll talk to you. Let you know what you need to do. We just encourage you to consider what Jesus did for you on the cross. Let's pray together.